Welcome to Software Security Check Chat, episode 57 for April the 21st, 2011. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and my guest this week is Mr. Paul Ducklin from Sydney office at Sophos. And we're not in Sydney or in Chester's native Vancouver, we're actually in Earl's Court in London. So if you hear a train in the background, that'll be the Earl's Court railway line, I guess. Yes, the circle or the district, I believe. Is it? Yes. But nonetheless, uh, welcome, Paul. It's good to see you again. We don't see each other too often. And uh, we're going to talk about a quick couple stories and then uh, just talk about our impressions of the show here since we spent the week here at uh, InfoSecure, InfoSecurity Europe, better known as InfoSec. Uh, so first story is, you know, we, kinda, we released a kind of manifesto, would you call it? It was an open letter to Facebook. Three-point plan. And... Uh, kind of the point was to, you know, the, the Facebook users kind of deserved a few things to be more secure and have improved privacy on Facebook service, and that it shouldn't really have any kind of any kind of negative impact really on Facebook themselves to to offer or, or go along with our, our points that we're asking for them to, you know, provide well, with better privacy. 500 million users, with 500 million users, you'd think that anything they could do which would show that they value the privacy and security of those users, particularly newer users who are less familiar with security, anything to increase that, 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 that privacy and security should surely actually improve the value of Facebook's business. Absolutely. And so the, the three points were, one, uh, privacy by default. I mean, having to kind of monitor every kind of option that Facebook might ever introduce and then decide whether or try to figure out whether that thing is on or off or where it may be buried in privacy settings is rather complicated and difficult for many Facebook users that aren't that sophisticated necessarily with computers and technology. They want to think of Facebook as a tool that they just simply pick up and use like a hammer. And unfortunately, uh, you know, at the moment, like when they recently introduced the mobile phone number sharing option, they have a tendency to turn all of these things on in a way that makes everything public and open to everyone all the time as opposed to asking for your permission uh, to, to turn these things on or making them off by default and letting you choose to turn them on because you want to be more connected with your friends. So. Exactly, because if you really believe in it, if the feature really has value, then and it really is that easy to find where to turn the option on in the interface, then surely that would speak for itself and users will go and turn it on if it's something they want to do. I think Facebook still seem to have that idea that you opt into everything by default at the start when you join the service. And except that things like HTTPS. Except things, well, we'll come to that. So, but I do think opt-in, when there's a new feature, when there's a new part to their service, users should need to go and make an informed decision each and every time to enable that. Facebook should not assume that the latest and greatest new feature is something that all of their users want. Sure. So in our, that leads to our second point, um, vetting fa Facebook app developers. I mean, Graham writes a lot of stories. I write a lot of stories. Uh, you write some stories occasionally about these, the, all these scam applications on Facebook, these, these rogue applications that are trying to lead you to these survey scams, trying to write to your wall, start up Facebook chat conversations with your friends. Now we're seeing them tagging photos. And, well, and Chester, it's hardly surprising events. when there's 500 million Facebook users and 1 million of those are developers. That seems an awfully high percentage. And you were just mentioning this morning that there seem to be uh, many cases where a whole raft of new developers and new applications appear at once, almost as though they've been automatically created. And you'd imagine if Facebook just took a little more care, we're not saying they should make it really hard, really complicated, or cost a lot of money for someone to be a developer, but just require that there's some element of responsibility would surely reduce all the scams and fraud that's going on on Facebook due to these one million 
unchecked application developers. And of course, the third thing, as I kind of mentioned earlier, the HTTPS. I mean, we're, we're making progress with them on the HTTPS. It started out as an option that you had to go find and turn on, and then it didn't work if you ever went to an application that didn't use HTTPS. They kind of improved on that a little bit by removing the ability for it to get automatically turned off by applications that aren't compliant. However, they still don't offer it for mobile applications, for touch.facebook.com, and seemingly anything inconvenient that gets in the way, uh, you know, it's just not worth bothering. And, and users are, are, are getting a false sense of security. They feel Absolutely. they've ticked that box that says whenever, whenever possible. HTTPS whenever possible. Now, since it is possible for Facebook when you've turned that on only to allow you to connect via HTTPS, uh, it should really mean that. Um, what it's come to mean is unless the Facebook application or the, the actual client that you're using doesn't support it. And I feel that when users turn that on, and whether it should be on by default or not is another issue we think it should be, that if that if you have turned on HTTPS whenever possible, the site should refuse to accept a connection from you logged in, it should refuse to let you log in uh, under your account without HTTPS. I think that, that that's pretty much what that implies. Absolutely. So, so it, by the way, Chester, it's interesting that if you look on the Naked Security site, there are quite a few comments of people agreeing strongly with our three points, but saying, you know, HTTPS, well, maybe that's not so important because a lot of what people put on Facebook they intend to share anyway. But that ignores the fact that, firstly, if someone hijacks your session, they can post as you. And if you're a business, that could be very damaging indeed. And secondly, you don't want everything you're doing on Facebook or viewing in those pages to be visible to everybody. If you're editing your profile, updating your address, or just publishing stuff to friends, you don't want that to be visible to everybody. And therefore, security is much more important in the transaction than it is, for example, when you're reading a news site or something like that. Absolutely. So the, the, we've been giving away some t-shirts here at InfoSec at our booth when we do uh, presentations, and they've been quite popular. We've uh, a lot of people have been wanting those, and hopefully we're going to keep a few back. We may run some contests on Naked Security to, to reward our readers for excellent tips they provide us or participating in different contests and things that we like to run occasionally. So uh, we'll, maybe we'll post a picture up on the, uh, on the, on the Naked Security site showing, uh, showing off the, the shirts. I think you can be our rather fetching model, Chester. I could be. I could definitely. Well, I think it looks better on Corolla, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave that as it. Uh, we'll leave that where it lies. So the uh, while we're on the topic of Facebook, there was a little bit of news this week. Aside from just uh, our our open letter, uh, they announced that they will be introducing two-factor authentication. Although the amount of information that was provided at this point seems a bit sketchy, so I don't think I could really comment on it. Although it's worth mentioning since we were just talking about them in, in, this, you know, in security in general, and certainly stopping people from fraudulently logging into other people's Facebook accounts is a good thing. Uh, in addition to that, we had some reports that some other, uh, there were some blogs that we frequently get tips ourselves from that we see on Twitter and different things talking about Facebook scams. One's called Scam Sniper, another one's called The Bulldog Estate. Both had their Facebook pages removed this week. Uh, any idea as to what could, would have led to that? Well, it seems rather annoying, doesn't it, that sites, uh, Facebook pages that are actually trying to warn you about bad stuff that's going on fall victim to being blocked because they, perhaps only because they contain the names of scams. It does seem that Facebook 
in my opinion, could be a little more selective about how they decide that a site is good or bad. Because after all, if you're writing up a page on Facebook to warn people about a scam, you do need to tell them the names of things on those pages that they might look out for. So you will need to use words that appear on bogus pages. And we have seen before, certainly some of our articles have been blocked by Facebook because they mention the name of a, of a scam page, even though they don't link to it. So there's actually no risk. And we really have to call a spade a spade when we're trying to tell people what to look out for. And for Facebook's somewhat, sometimes rather naive algorithms to say, oh, we better block that page, it seems that they're probably not really being selective enough. Well, of course, that is speculation. We don't know what reason these sites were taken Over off of Facebook in this case, right? I mean, we're speculating because we've had some bad experiences ourselves related to this type of technology. So certainly that's one explanation. Uh, I believe Graham wrote an article earlier today mentioning that Scam Sniper was now back on Facebook, so clearly it was accidental. That lends credibility to the scenario like you just outlined uh, being the reason behind it. We still haven't heard on the Bulldog Estate what the story is. Uh, moving along as to the show, I mean, we, we both took a walk around several times and uh, you know, looked at what everything's going on here. I think to some degree we're seeing a little bit of RSA redux. In that, um, if I was can... going to use those very words, Chester. You took them right out of my mouth. Yeah, and I, mean, I was going to say, am I allowed to say it, the C word? Uh, well, I was just going to mention that there was a lot more clouds in Earl's Court than there were outside. And surprisingly, it's been a beautiful week in England. And um, it it's indeed. very cloudy inside of these four walls, however. Remember that at RSA we heard about, what was it, breaking point, and we heard about hybrid the cloud. Hybrid cloud. Oh, I'm not kidding you, there was a speech in the conference part about cloud, a cloud prize. Oh, I thought it was clouderization. Cloud, no, cloud prize, that's it, cloud prize. Is that an APT? I think it's an MBQ, Chester. And what is that? An MBQ, well, you mean you don't know? You need to, you need to get out more, my friend. So, I made that up. It doesn't mean anything, I think. But then nor does APT. So moving along, aside from the cloudy weather inside, um, a few other things walking around. I saw uh, there were a few booths doing some pen testing booths doing some rather interesting things, I thought, for demos for once. I mean, we've been going to these shows for many years, and you kind of get sick of the same thing of the guy doing magic tricks and the, the monkey on a unicycle and you know the presentation telling you how fantastic our product is. Um, we saw a couple interesting ones when I was walking around. The pen testers doing some like live pen testing type stuff, showing how they go about their work. You know, the real stuff, like things that people want are genuinely interested in. The IT people don't have time to know this much about security. It's why they come to these shows, is to learn about what services are available that can help them better secure their environments, which they either don't have the uh, knowledge or the time to do themselves. And I, I thought that was kind of encouraging. There wasn't a lot of it, but there was some of it. That was good. Yes, I guess, hint to exhibitors, you may be at a trade show, and if it's alongside a conference, why not go out of your way to make the trade show part as attractive as the conference in what you plan to teach people? I think that if you're wearing a t-shirt that has your company's name on it, the punters who come on your stand can probably guess what product you'd recommend. That's just a theory. Yep, absolutely. I also, um, I think somehow the, 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 the Oracle bus must have taken a wrong turn. I saw they had a booth over here in the corner. I'm not quite sure what that was about. Am I allowed to repeat the very funny joke you made when you first sure, saw that? Sure, go ahead. We'll wrap uh, up with which, that. Which, yes, uh, I wonder if they've actually come to this show or they just simply haven't removed the booth from the previous one. <laughs> and on that note, we'll wrap up Chat Chat 57. Thanks for joining us once again. As always, for the latest news, go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All these podcasts can be found on podcasts.sophos.com or on iTunes or via RSS or whatever flavor of thing you like to consume your 
your podcast with. And until next time, stay secure.